0: The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkytown, please visit our website at www.durkytown.org. That's D U R K E E T O W N.org. I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 23 in your Scriptures. Psalm 23, we reread read of the anointing of the one who is considered the chief psalmist of Israel and the one who is identified here as the author of Psalm 23. Please follow along as I read. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. Now, Father, I pray that the Words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Other than the Lord's Prayer, and perhaps uh, John 3.16, the 23rd Psalm is the arguably the most well-known scripture both inside and outside of the church. And we, we might ask, why is that? Why why are so many people so very familiar with this psalm? Well, one reason has to do with the beauty and simplicity of the psalm. Uh, The metaphors found within it are not difficult to understand. We all know what it means to want. We know the beauty and comfort that looking at green pastures will bring to us maybe four or five weeks from now no guarantee but maybe god willing sooner than later but we know that we know the comfort that they bring we love the idea of still waters and the thought of our souls being restored but in addition to the this kind of beautiful simplicity of the psalm I would suggest that it is well known because it is used in the setting of deep pain. Routinely, this psalm is found on the back of the prayer card you receive when you go into the funeral of a loved one. In my 33 years of pastoral ministry here at Durkee Town, I thought it's the singular phrase... When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me, that receives the greatest affirmation. When I say those words and I look out at the people gathered at the funeral, heads nod. People might say amen, because they know on a visceral level what it means to be in the shadow, either a friend or. A loved one that has died, they know what it means to be in the shadow. When I read the psalm, I'm often reminded of a story that I would assume is apocryphal. It's been passed down through the years. I remember hearing it as a young, young boy. And the story goes like this about Psalm 23, that there were two people who recited this famous psalm publicly one was a well-trained actor he delivered the beautiful words with all of the right intonation and emphasis he paused exactly at the correct moments to deliver the maximum impact the people who listened beamed with pleasure as he spoke with elocution and precision But the other speaker who recited the psalm had no professional training In public speaking. In fact, he spoke in a cumbersome manner. But by the end of his recitation of Psalm 23, the room was filled with a hushed silence. And no one uh, felt like they could even breathe, tears flowing down the cheeks of those who listened. And there was a sense that they had not just heard beautiful words, but they had actually heard the word. question was asked what was the difference between the two recitations and someone remarked afterwards the first speaker knew the psalm but the second speaker knew the shepherd of the psalm although i've heard that story as i said many times even from my childhood it's always made an impression on me because this psalm has a way of inviting us into a relationship with someone who deeply cares for us. I read the Psalms regularly. In fact, I read all 150 Psalms twice a month. I am very familiar with the Psalms. And yet every time I come to 23, it is as if it rises up and it kind of grabs a hold of me because of the intimacy of the psalm and the way in which it invites us into this relationship with a shepherd. And although the psalm never uses the word love, it's filled with love. And it invites us then into this relationship of love. It was the Hebrew scholar Robert Alter who observed that the psalm lists all the elements of a happy life a table laid out with good things to eat, a head of hair that is well rubbed with olive oil and an overflowing cup of wine. Alter goes on to say that while the psalm seems to have a vision of a future place, he thinks what the last phrase means is that the good life described in the psalm is actually meant to be enjoyed now in this life. And often we do this with Scripture. We place it into a future context and say, oh, that's what's going to come down the road. But what the psalm would suggest is that this good life that is described is to be enjoyed today. It's to be enjoyed in this room. It is ours to have through the love and the care of the shepherd. The psalmist seems to believe That the good fortune described is found in the reality of abiding in the sanctuary of the Lord all the days of his life. To be in the Lord's sanctuary and for us here on the other side of the cross and the resurrection and the ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit. We would say that we are in the presence of the Lord because we are the temple of the living God who dwells within us. And so that we should have, regardless of the circumstances we face, a sense of security and a sense of harmony with God as we live out our daily lives. One of the reasons why we had Ephesians 5 read today, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, reprove them. You are children of light. Walk as children of light so that right now in this present world you can live the good life that God wants to give you a head anointed with fine oil, a restoration of one's soul, good things to eat, and even a cup overflowing. If you're uncomfortable with it overflowing with wine, you can put in what you want to put in. But that's what the psalm says. The cup overflows with good things. But it is one thing to enjoy the imagery of the psalm and and especially to enjoy it on those kind of warm days when the natural world around us is at the peak of its beauty. You know, we can even endure the hard days, right? When the shadow appears and we walk either alone or we walk with others through the veil of tears. But unless we know with confidence that the lord is the one who is with us then we will have no real hope in this life on those warm sunny days or even in the dark days and we certainly will have no hope in the life to come that we will dwell with the lord for all eternity in the new heavens and the new earth if we don't have real confidence and so that's why I titled the sermon, Trust the Shepherd. Because trust is the primary response from those who are reading it. It's not just an emotional response. It is not just a response of comfort. Well, those were nice words. Let's go find some green grass and meditate for a while. The psalm draws us into actual trust and confidence into the shepherd, the one who is doing the leading. On the front end of the psalm, we're invited to trust the one who does lead us to green pastures and to still waters. And we are likened to sheep who are called to trust the shepherd. But it's interesting, as the psalm develops, in the middle and the bottom of the psalm, the metaphor seems to be lost. And what takes its place is, a, is more of a human interaction. You don't anoint sheep. You don't give them cups overflowing. And uh, you don't uh, um, write, uh, you know, an, invite them into the house of the Lord. Well, maybe you do. Depends on the day, I guess. Um, but you know what I'm saying? It seems to switch. The metaphor seems to move into a human personal response. He wants us to trust him. He calls us into an intimacy of fellowship. And that intimacy of fellowship gets tested in both the warmth and wonder of love, those green pastures, those still waters. Oh, but it also gets tested as the psalm turns into some darkness and says, trust me, when life is cold and life seems to be void of love, And it's hard sometimes to reconcile that it's the same psalmist who wrote both the top of the psalm and the middle and the bottom of the psalm, and it's the same shepherd who does the leading, whether it's of sheep or of his people. But as you you look at this psalm, what becomes evident is that it is actually part of a triplet. And I would encourage you if you read Psalm 23, to carve out the time to read 22 and 24. It will help you uh, understand more clearly then uh, the invitation to trust. Psalm 22, the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. Psalm 24, the good shepherd who now ascended and exalted lives for his sheep and rules over his sheep. And so 23 sits in the middle of these two other psalms that show us in a much larger sense who is to be trusted and why he is to be trusted even when we go into the valley of the shadow. These psalms, when you put them together, tell us what the God of Israel is doing. And it is what the God of Israel has always done. He gets personally involved in the lives of his people. And he does this in order to comfort them, in order to help them, even as he is rescuing them. Even as he rescues them. At the heart of Psalm 23 is the promise that he will be with us when we go through the valley of the shadow of death. This death can be actual death. Or it can be the death of the things that we hold dear. And I've reflected a lot on this recently. As a culture of death that has been part of the United States for some time, but is now really taken over. And it is holding sway in in all of American life. That we live in a world that exists in a shadow, a shadow of death. The things that we felt were so secure, the things that we held on to, the things that we assumed would always be understood and would always be done, would always be followed, now we know that they're not. Maybe you read the headlines. When I read them. I, I, you know, Again, it's one of those head scratchers that a, a woman so deeply confused and disoriented about life and about herself, part of a school board, dressed as a cat, says that she would not hire Christians to teach in her school district because of what they say is so dangerous to society. And people listened to her. The things that we hold dear, the death of things that we believe to be important from the standpoint of the Holy Scriptures dying all around us, I want to remind us that He is with us in the shadow of death. Not just physical death, but the death of all things. Even the things that we love and hold dear. It it can also mean that he's with us personally in times when we are disoriented. When we lose our way. Maybe because of some habitual sin or some sin that has come upon us. Maybe some season of rebellion and we wonder, will God ever take us back? We need to remember that the shepherd walks with us even in the valley of the shadow of death. Physical death, cultural death, or death in our own lives where we are sliding off into some rebellion, some disobedience. The shepherd is with us. He cares about us. He loves us. He is drawing us back into his presence say, well, how do we know we can trust the shepherd? Because our Lord makes good on the promise to be with us in the valley of the shadow. Because as Psalm 22 points out, and we're not going to read it, but if, when you do read it as it points out, we remember that he went into the valley for us. Never forget that when Jesus leaves the pure and perfect glory of the Father's presence, He enters into a world that is in the grip of death. The valley of the shadow of death that Jesus enters into isn't just Golgotha. The pure and perfect, holy Son of God enters a world in the grip of death. And it is in that world then that Jesus experiences the shadow throughout his entire life. And then through the power of his righteous life, he overcomes the prevailing wickedness that surrounded him. He walked, to use Pauline language, as a child of light. So that when he gets to the garden of decision, he can then say, not my will, but thy will be done. And then when Jesus leaves the testing in the garden, and then he goes to the God-forsakenness of the cross. His victory over death is a foregone conclusion. A life of full obedience, now offered up in the fullness of the darkness of the shadow of death. But once again, it is through the power of his righteous life that he rises from the dead, and he demonstrates to us that yes, we can trust him when the shadow is over us. And when we wake up and we see what people are doing to each other, even in the United States of America, and our hearts grieve so heavily over the confusion and the brokenness and the heartache that has come, we know that he is with us. And all of us then compels us to ask this question. Do we trust this shepherd? To get to the place where death meets us is one thing. But will you trust him for the headlines tomorrow? Will you trust him for the unexpected things that come in your life? Maybe you've drifted away. Maybe you've left faith behind. Will you trust that he can bring you back today? Will you trust that he can forgive you of your sins today? Can you trust him that he will be with you today and tomorrow and all the days of our lives? But how is trust built? Trust is built through knowing him. You see, some struggle to trust him Because they only know a few things about him. They know he healed some people. They know he fed some people. They know that he died. They're not sure why. They know some things about him. But trust does not come through only knowing a few things about him. Trust comes when you know him. Jerry reminded me that this coming Wednesday night, we're going to talk about our rest is Christ. Our rest isn't some future place. Our rest is Christ. Do you want rest and restoration for your soul? Then know Christ, Jesus, in a relationship of trust that is built through knowing him from his word and through the spirit that abides within us. And if you do know him, if you do know him, Then you're invited to live the good life, regardless of the darkness that prevails around us. Rejoice in a head anointed. Rejoice with good food. Rejoice with a warm home. Rejoice with the good things that God has given us as a church, as a family. Rejoice in those things, they are a gift. But listen very carefully. If you do not know him in a relationship of trust, as we sang earlier, your life consecrated, your heart a royal throne upon which the Lord Jesus Christ sits, and you are in this relationship of love and intimacy with him, the shepherd is inviting you to know him in a life changing way, to turn from your sins to embrace Christ and begin then that relationship of actual trust through which you live with the shepherd who gave his life for the sheep, who presently lives for the sheep, and the one who is coming again for his sheep. As we celebrate his life among us, we pray that together each and every person will know the one who is at present restoring all things to himself so that, yes, today and forever, we will dwell in the house of the Lord. Amen. Father, I thank you for our reflection this morning in your word. I pray for the encouragement of it to our hearts. I pray for people whose They're kind of like they're, they don't want to get in the water the whole way. They just kind of got their feet dangling in the water of the church. They kind of like some things about it, but they don't really know you, Lord God. I pray that today, with love and mercy and grace, they would be brought into a full relationship of trust. pray for many of us who struggle with doubt. So many unanswered questions. Let us remember that we too are called into a relationship of trust. And I pray that together by your grace, O oh Lord, we would enjoy the good life presented before us, presented at this table now, that we celebrate in the name of Christ, our savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durky Town, please visit our website at www.durkytown.org.